when I am engaging in a creative way, space gets bigger and God is always with us. But when the space gets bigger, it helps me to recognize God's presence with me. Welcome to Created Creative. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ruth. And here we are at the beginning of Advent. Yes, I can't believe it's already the beginning of Advent. I've been in Advent for a week already. The church leaders I coach seem to be about evenly divided on this. <laughs> Some churches, including mine, moved Advent a week early, so you get four weeks of Advent before Christmas Eve, but that's not actually liturgically correct. So you're the one who's liturgically correct. Yeah, we're just keeping it normal, I guess. But then we do miss out on getting the full use out of all the blue banners. <laughs> and really, it's about the banners. <laughs> yes. And they are so pretty, but we didn't want to start it early. So we're just doing it normal. It's a season mm -hmm. of new things. And this podcast is brand new. So here we are. Yes, yes. And so we thought that it would be very liturgically correct to begin our podcast at the beginning of Advent. And so here we are with our very first interview. I love that we're getting mostly people out of the consecrate box. We're getting them out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> so you have more of a relationship with them than me. Like I'm meeting them when we're on this podcast. <laughs> yes, at, at least for these first interviews. This interview is with Lisa Kaufer. Tell me everything. Well, Lisa, she is amazing. I mean, she creates so many different kinds of things. And she's done work for Montreat Conference Center in North Carolina for Princeton, of course, the Consecrate Subscription Box. <laughs> yes, um, the big links. Yes, and she is a Presbyterian minister of faith formation in Ohio, a potter. She writes curriculum. She is truly a Renaissance woman. <laughs> a Renaissance woman, which so many of us are. Mm -hmm. Yes, many different interests, many different skills. And it's so interesting to hear her talk about those things, and also which direction to go, where to lean in. And I think all of us wrestle with those things. It did come up how she is a multi-hyphenate, multi-potentialate. What do people say? Any of those? <laughs> yes. It's hard to know how to put a dome over it so people can understand. Yes. And our listeners will get to hear that. We try as a group. <laughs> yes. Yes, we try. Yeah, we do some actual on-the-air wrestling with that, and that was really fun. It was fun. So here we are. Mm -hmm. Without further ado, Lisa Kaufer. Yep, here she is. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello. I'm Hello. glad you're here. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Thank you. It's great to be here. Lisa, tell us, where do you live? I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And Very where good. are you serving? I'm serving in Cincinnati, Ohio. I say that because the Presbyterian Church of Wyoming is located in Cincinnati. And if I don't emphasize the Ohio part, Suddenly, everybody transports me to the West. Ah, yes. <laughs> but do you like Cincinnati chili? I do. <laughs> I, I would say this season, I prefer a five-way, but it sort of has changed over time. But yes, I do. Skyline. Yes. <laughs> so good. So delicious. Well, we're so glad that you could be with us today. And I've known you for a while through Consecrate, and you've made quite a few th different things for Consecrate, and you're even in the midst of making a super secret item for Consecrate at the moment. Yes. Um, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. What are you working on lately? Right now, I do have a couple of big clay projects. A lot of my finger labyrinths are very popular for retreats and conferences and such, and so I am definitely in that 
end of year. But also right now I have a curriculum project that is something that I've been thinking about probably for about two years. I first came out with play-filled parables, and that was commissioned by a church who wanted a new form of Sunday school. And so we were exploring the parables through Lego and Minecraft and dance and visual arts and basketball, all these things. And so shortly after I finished that project, I started thinking, I think it would be fun to write some lessons about wonder-filled mysteries. And so I've got a series of 12 stories that I'm working on right now, and that's been commissioned by a church in Texas. So once it's all finished, it will be available to the masses. It's a lot of fun. So your curriculums are taking Bible stories or concepts and making them into things you can touch as you learn. Well, yes, touch, but also how can you engage the story? So we are a part of the story still being written. So where are we in the story? And I have practiced godly play for over a decade now. I really appreciate the rhythms of that storytelling and how we are invited into the story and where are we in the story and what part of the story is about us. And so that has definitely influenced the way that I approach thinking about lessons, whether it's for Sunday school or youth group or a retreat for women or that kind of thing is let's share the story and let's immerse ourselves in the story and participate in the story. And then how do we respond to that? And so having response activities or materials that you might not ever think, I never thought of playing basketball as a way to engage the pair. <laughs> right. But, I wouldn't but have I thought sure of that. Ha- I sure had a lot of fun coming up with that. <laughs> You're really a, a diverse creator with the pottery and the writing and creating curriculum. And in your work at your church, do you get to do a lot of creative things? Oh, definitely. I actually am new to this position. But as we engaged in conversation about if this would be a good fit, I was eager to share this creativity in a lot of different ways. And I know that they're receptive to that. And we've already been working on some projects that I haven't been able to do in other ministry settings. So I'm very excited about the journey that we're beginning to share together. I'm so glad that they value those skills that you bring because you're like a little gold mine that they've got on their staff. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. What's your primary art mode? I like to do a lot of different things, but pottery is definitely the go-to right now. Actually, just the other day, my husband said, I'm so glad that you've found one thing you like a lot. (laughs) Are there like seven different hobbies going on? Oh, all the time. Yes, we have the area for the yarn, for the crochet and the knitting. And then we have the stitching stuff for slow stitching and embroidery. And there's so many things. Paper crafts. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Do your kids like creating things too? So far, my family has not really said that they would like to dig in and play in the mud with me very much. But they like to create in other ways. I always think it's really interesting to see how kids express their creativity. And in some ways, it might be similar to yours and in some ways, very different. Definitely. Do you try to set aside certain time for your creativity or do you need certain circumstances for it to really flow or just grab time whenever you can? It definitely depends on the type of work I'm trying to do for writing projects Maybe it's the season of life that I'm in with a very busy family and serving in ministry and having a small business. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) No big deal. But some of the curricula that I've written has happened in the darkness of the very early morning before any creatures begin to stir. I go to bed early in general, but some of my most productive and most creative writing mornings have happened at like three or four in the morning, times that I didn't think were a real time that existed in the world. (laughs) It's not something I do all the time. 
But I've also found that pottery could be portable. I'm a hand builder, and I have found that certain parts of my process can be portable. And so I've been taking a box of small pieces to my back deck or even the soccer field when my son was playing soccer, and I would be working on the next step. <laughs> well, you know, there have been plenty of times where I've been inside a coffee shop or on a Zoom, and I've been knitting or stitching, but actually taking the pottery out into the world in some way has been kind of a new development. So I've really enjoyed the extra sunshine because my studio's in the basement. It feels different. Does the change mm -hmm. of venue ever affect the art? Is the outcome different because you're doing it in a different space? Definitely. Just yesterday afternoon, I was on the back deck doing one of these portable pottery projects. And the way the light and the shadows were playing with just my scraps and the piece that I was holding, it just became a really sort of sacred moment for me. It became a time of devotion where I was thinking in a different way about this task that I have done over a thousand times now. That's so fun. Who are some of your favorite creative people that you admire? Well, I've met some of them. Oh, I love through that. These connections. Yes. I'll start with, I really appreciate it when someone is not only sharing their art, but they're sharing their story. And a lot of times the story is woven within their art. And so Naomi Clement is a ceramicist in Canada and Tim C is in New York. And then Casey Waite, I feel like I might have made that connection through Consecrate. And so I enjoy following her work. I believe she's in Virginia. And then Carmel Beaujolais Caldwell I'm from Bofolio Studios. I really loved seeing how her art and ministry has emerged in some really neat ways because not only is she an artist herself, but she loves to engage people and communities experiencing art in Visio Divina. I like Lexio Divina. I've never experienced Visio Divina. Tell me more. Oh, I think she actually uses the language creatio divina. And so the act of creating. Yes, visio divina might be if you're looking at a piece of artwork okay. and you're responding to yep. it in that way. But creatio divina, I think, is the practice that she tries to share where she hmm. is providing people with materials and a prompt or a series of prompts. It's not a situation where we're saying, we're going to paint a flower. You know, here's step one, here's step two. Not but those it is paint really, by number places. No, it is not that kind of a process, but really trying to engage your whole self in the act of creating and seeing what comes from that and what that process brings forth and connecting with the sacred in a new way. Mm. Really cool stuff. That really is. Yeah. Cool. And how do you see your creativity and your spirituality connect? I really think of that as the space in between. Ooh. For me, when I am engaging in a creative way, space gets bigger and God is always with us. But when the space gets bigger, it helps me to recognize God's presence with me. When I'm not being creative, I'm more distracted or focusing on family things or what's the schedule or the list of things to do. But when I'm in a creative mode, it just creates that space where I can be more present in the moment and recognizing God's presence with me. Kind of an awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that is really cool. What are the challenges of having all of these irons in the fire? It is time for me to funnel down. Oh, okay. So this is, let's see, I officially launched the Muddy Fork at the end of December of 2020. So when we had all kinds of free time. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and so I feel like the beginning of the journey has been yes to all of the things, kind of like a kid in a candy store. 
Mm-hmm. Everything is fun. Mm-hmm. Let's do it all. And so now that I've been doing this for a little while, it's helped me to recognize what are the parts that are most life-giving? What are the things that only I can do? What are the parts that I can really benefit from having the support of others? I don't have to do those. It's actually mm-hmm. better if I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm at the part where I'm trying to identify if I were to think of the Muddy Fork offerings what is the main collection of things that I would like to offer? And I initially thought, maybe it's a top five, and then it became a top 10, and then it became a top 15. And then it is not focus. Yeah, right. Shoot, I did it again. Yeah. (laughs) But part of what I do value is that there is diversity in what I offer. And so I appreciate that when I write a digital curriculum, it exists, and I can share it over and over and over again, and I don't have to create it over and over again. I should revisit it and revise it, but the biggest part of the work has been done. That is not the same process for pottery. For pottery, I have to make every single thing every single time. Mm -hmm. And so I, I appreciate that there is at least this opportunity for some balance of some of the work being things that can continue to have ongoing once I've created it, like the curriculum, but also from the pottery side, things that I can continue to offer in a very individual way. It is a lot. And it's true that if I have a booth at a conference or a retreat or something like that, if somebody's coming to my booth for the first time, well, I have a friend. When she first came to my booth, she stopped in her tracks and her face got really squished. Mm -hmm. And then she said, what are you? (laughs) What a great question. (laughs) She said, what are you? And I was like, I don't know. But she was looking at my booth, which had a basketball. It had Lego. It had textured rolling pins. It had devotional cards. And it had pottery. (laughs) And so, of course, that's confusing when you're looking at it all at once. But I do feel like there is a cohesiveness behind it. But being able to articulate that, usually people will know Lisa makes ceramic finger labyrinths. And then later they will learn, oh, she has also made textured rolling pins and curriculum and devotional curriculum. I resonate a lot with what you're saying, too, because with Consecrate, we started about the same time because I started the end of 2020. Like it starts with the boxes, but then I started doing the print on demand, which is nice because you create the design and then it just sits there and people can order it. And that's nice. Then the boxes are much more hands-on. And now we've added the book group and then the trip. And it's like, I like all of these things. But then to balance that too with the work in the church. And so to try to measure, well, what is life-giving and where am I being led the most to put my energy now? And it's hard, isn't it? When, especially when you love all of those things, but then you've got the family and life and health and all sorts of things yes. to think about. Absolutely. And I do appreciate that our journey started very much at about the same time. And I will always sing your praises because I knew the Muddy Fork was real when Ruth at Consecrate said, please, may I have hundreds of your ceramic finger labyrinth? <laughs> that was really fun. So thank you for that. But also, I'm going to start thinking, Ruth, about seasons. So maybe this is how I get my list a little bit smaller for now, is to think of my collection. And I want to give myself a number of, let's five was Uh a good number to begin with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are my top five? And I can think, it doesn't mean that I have to say goodbye to all the other things forever, but maybe it means these are my top five in my collection right now. And then I can revisit that. One of the artists I follow said that 
actually it's Naomi that I mentioned before, she knows that people love to buy ceramic coffee mugs and she makes beautiful ceramic mugs, but she does not want to only make mugs. Mm -hmm. And so she has set a boundary on, I will make 100 each year and that's it, or however many it was, so that she continues to have the space to do the other creative work that she really likes to do and what was life-giving to her. And so I'm trying to, to learn. I think we all get to learn as we hear each other's stories. So how can we help? Is there any place in which we can help you as a business owner or as a creative entrepreneur or marketing or figuring out what your top five are? Is there a place well, that makes sense? Well, yes, we could talk about the top five, but also this idea of because I have such a diversity of things I like to offer, if there's a way to help articulate what connects it all together. Like normally I would say, you know, the Muddy Fork is a creative studio specializing in ceramic gifts and faith formation resources. And so ceramic gifts is really concrete. Yep. And then faith formation resources is that bucket of weird things. Yeah. <laughs> that take very many forms. Although is it object-based somehow? The resources mm. you described to us feel unique because I know a lot of people write in curriculum. Your stuff is very informed by being a sculptor potter person <laughs> with her hand, it sounds like. It's true. If I use an adjective in there, I would add play-filled faith formation resources. That's often the word that I use, but maybe there are other ways. I think there's another word. Help me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Human thesaurus. It's something about repurposing real objects into theological concepts. Something uh, like that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was a first draft. Right, right. So I have spent a lot of time in Montreat, North Carolina with the Arts, Recreation, and Worship Conference. Yes. And the Youth Conference. So those have also really informed, along with Godly Play, what I bring, what I try to share with the world now. <laughs> so recreation is a key value. Well, art, recreation. I see. And you had the basketball in one of your yeah. curriculums. Is it something... When we're talking about the pottery, I know of the Finger Labyrinth because it was in the box. Is a lot of the pottery helping people with their spiritual journey in some way? Yeah. So I've made pocket crosses, little prayer stones. Mm -hmm. I also I made a Trinity prayer stone for the Consecrate box yeah. for Pentecost. And ceramic Finger Labyrinths, and I've made some clergy crosses. And then I've started to dabble in portable communion wear. And so <laughs> this is what tickles my creative spirit. Because I thought, I'm not a pastor, but I thought if I were to be serving communion in somebody's home, like I like the idea of having a portable communion set that's ceramic, but I would want a way to carry it. And so I figured out this way to make a little kind of a jug pitcher and a cup and a plate and to have them stack. Are you ready? Mm. To have them stack inside an insulated wine bottle holder. Oh my gosh, how cool. I oh, can picture it. Yeah, I love that. Have you done it? Can we have a picture? Yes. Okay, yeah. sure. So it's something about supporting people's faith journeys through yes. ceramics and mm -hmm. child curriculum. Because it's not random ceramics. No. It's spiritually based. Yeah. I'm just thinking of a byline or a way to pull it together. There's definitely a spiritual, like I have the most fun. I do enjoy making coffee mug from now and then. But mm -hmm. if I'm doing that, it's because I'm excited about the ritual of having that quiet Ooh. time. What about ritual ceramic? Ooh, that's interesting. I don't know. When I hear the word ritual in that way, oh. I don't know what that brings to my mind in a visual way. But I totally hear what you're saying. Like there's yeah. a spiritual, sacred 
longing kind of seems to be the undercurrent. In, about interactive sacred ceramics and curriculum to go with it. Maybe. <laughs> That's true because it is true that like with the prayer stones and the finger labyrinths that they're interactive. You're meant to engage it. Well, and even the idea of the coffee cup, like I said, I haven't made many of those, but being together and sharing faith together. Ruth, what are you hearing? My mind is still stuck on the, the cool communion kit that, <laughs> you, that you made because I'm like, that is such a cool idea. And ask someone who does bring communion around, I mean, to have something beautiful and not the stupid it's... little glass bottle and the little plastic cups or glass right. cups i mean they're just they're ugly what's out there you know <laughs> so uh. you're just you have skills i do not have you feel magical to me <laughs> that yeah. that you can translate a spiritual experience into a physical thing and then present it well and sometimes add a curriculum to it there's something <laughs> i know Oh, Your violin has to capture all of that. Of all these little tendrils we've had out there, do any of them resonate at all? Like, are we on any kind of path? Well, I definitely think the interactive and the things that reference the connectivity, whether it's person with spirit or God or person with person and spirit, you know, that, that community of faith individually and together, that seems to be a very important concept. And then you use the word interactive, mm -hmm. but how are we participating? How are we engaging? How are we responding? Mm -hmm. Because I think that personally growing up as a child sitting in a pew during worship, I was filled with the sounds of the organ and the familiar hymns and the prayers that become familiar and things like that. But what was I doing sitting in the pew? Mm -hmm. And most of the time I was in a passive posture you know I was receiving it or maybe I was singing but I feel like part of what has shifted for me is how important it is to engage deeply and intentionally and across the generations relationally like all of those things and so I'm not saying that I don't like a good traditional worship service that right. is deeply meaningful to me and as I have been introduced to other ways to worship and engage community and faith together through a barn dance, yeah, yeah, through uh -huh. energizers at the youth conference or things that are definitely stretching my comfort zone. I am experiencing faith and I'm seeing God in a new way. So it's ceramics and curriculum for engaging community and faith. Ooh. Am I close? I think so. I like mm -hmm. that. It's fine with me if I you like don't use that. it. I, w I just want to be helpful. No, I love it. I love that it feels like it was only five words or so. Yeah. You know, like it was really short. Because it's got to fit on a banner. It's got to fit on a business card. And I don't feel like there were words in there that were a hindrance for folks that are not in a ministry context or deeply engaged in their faith. I feel like it still could make sense. Yay. Thank you. Say it again. Ceramics and curriculums. What was For it? engaging community and faith. Ooh, I like that. Oh. Yeah. I like that a lot. Oh, <laughs> Give it a try. Ask a few people who know your yes. business. Thank you. Because mm -hmm. then that just starts the conversation. Then we can say, how? Right. And then exactly. Can, but yeah. I would know how your stuff is unique. Yay. Thank that. you so much. We got there. Yeah. Very <laughs> exciting. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for being with us today, Lisa. This is just a joy. And I, I'm such a fan of all the things you're making. And I can't wait to see the next things that are coming. And please <laughs> do you. send us a picture of that communion set. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Created Creative with Ruth and Dawn. We're so glad that you were here. 
Please follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and give us a great review. And please share us with your friends. How does it end? Yeah, we can have some great tagline. It took us weeks to come up with a name for the show. We certainly don't have a tagline. A tagline. But go create something. Oh, go create something. Okay, great tagline. Let's try that. (laughs) Awesome. Perfect. Go create something.